Let's go. Coming to you from the basement of the basement of WCPT 820 in Chicago, it's the sports cubicle where the inmates run the asylum and the boss, well, he will be upset because we are working overtime here on the last day of the regular season of the NFL. Before we get to Black Monday tomorrow and find out which coaches are going to be fired, will be Matt Eberflus. Will he stay? Will he go? What will the playoff picture look like? We're not going to get to that stuff today because we just don't know what the final outcome is going to be here tonight, Sunday night on the Sports Cubicle. But we will give you a preview of tomorrow night's college football national championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies as Mercado and Marver break that down. Mercado had a chance to talk to the youth hockey NIHL President Bob After about some of their upcoming events, including one at the United Center that you do not want to miss. And Mercado and I had a chance to talk to from the PBR Professional Bull Riders Tour coming to town next weekend at the Allstate Arena. We had a chance to talk over the phone with Dalton Castle, who is one of the up and coming young stars in professional bull riding. Uh, we kind of talked about the treatment of the bulls as well as what it's like being on the tour and to prepare for being a bull rider on that tour. I uh, want to remind you that our playoff previews are going to be out on YouTube this week. Since we didn't get it in the show with the final playoff picture, we're going to be recording it on Monday and releasing it through the week here so you can find out what Devin and Mercado and myself feel about the upcoming playoff predictions. You can follow that on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the sports cubicle. That's youtube.com at the sports cubicle. And uh, with that, we also have shorts that you can see through the week and some things that don't make it into the show because maybe um, time relevance or uh, what have you. We Sometimes with the show that we put out on Sunday nights, that's just the highlights from what we've done during the week and some of the most relevant information that we can give you at 9 o'clock on the sports cubicle. But I want to remind you, listen to our playoff predictions this week and keep following in this show as we've got great interviews and more. But for now, Mercado, take it away. All the debates, all the speculation, all the talk, all the gas bagging finally ends on January 8th as the Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines will head down to Houston with all their alums and fans and decide this year's national championship. And we're here to break it all down, how we got to this moment and the fallout of the entire process here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado. And this game is all the marbles are on the line, right? And all the cliches that you could say. Michigan to get here, an exciting matchup against Alabama. 27-20 win in overtime. The Washington Huskies beat the Texas Longhorns 37-31 all this on New Year's Day. And to get to this matchup, a lot of marquee teams made the tournament. A lot of marquee teams were snubbed from the tournament. Georgia is going to have an input on whoever wins this national championship, whether they have a claim at it. And we saw Florida State. We're going to talk about all that. But Marver, I want to get your initial thoughts on what we saw on New Year's Day and what we are going to see this coming up Monday. Sure, there was a there were two great games. I I, I can't imagine this game will be as good as the others because there was there were such great games. Um, you know, Washington and then Michigan are probably the two best teams after all said and done. Florida State had a claim, but uh, their claim was lost because they got blown out uh, by Georgia. But uh, so Georgia probably has a claim too. But that's by the way, that's all going to be settled next year. As you may all know, they're going to 12 teams next year, which I think eight would have been enough. They're going to have the top four teams that went to the semifinals, for example, this year. They get a bye into the next round. But so that means that that the teams that are the top four are going to have to, you know, win basically three games. And the teams that just are five through 12 are going to have to win four, actually. So it's going to be kind of crazy. I mean, Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon would have all been in this year. And so uh, they're going to they're going to actually put some of the, the, the bowl games are going to be the quarterfinals. Uh, and then uh, they'll actually have the semifinals a week later. So things will be pushed back a week next year, as it turns out. But for the game itself, I mean, you, you never go by comparative scores, but uh, here's a funny one. They both played Michigan State. Uh, Washington beat them 41-7 to and led 35 to nothing at halftime. Michigan beat them 49 to nothing and led 28 to nothing at halftime. So if you go by comparative scores, it's pretty much a wash. I kind of like, I kind of like Washington. I'll tell you why. I like Michael Penix. If some of you may remember, he's at Indiana, and Michael Penix Jr. and uh, he's really blossomed at Washington. I mean, 
He's, he's very versatile. He's, he's elusive. I think he brings more to the table, uh, you know, in that position than, than Michigan does. But uh, uh, I think that's going to be a big edge for them uh, in the quarterback position because I, have, I, I think that J.J. McCarthy is fine, but I don't think he's a game-breaker that Penix is. Uh, he had some uh, nerves against – and it looked like he was kind of nervous against Alabama at the beginning, so hopefully he won't be nervous in this game. And interestingly, for the West Coast people, it's kind of bad because the game's being played at uh, – uh, 645 Chicago time, which means it's kind of early for the West Coast. Usually they do the West Coast a favor for a lot of big games by playing it at 8 or 9, whatever it is, Chicago time. So I think that's an interesting side note. And in terms of the other positions, I mean, running back is pretty much a wash. I mean, Washington has Dylan Dylan T- Johnson and he and he's, you know, he's been, he's been very effective. And Michigan is the, probably the better player in Blake Corum, but it's very, very close on that. And then in terms of, you know, the, the passing game, I mean, I think that Washington has the edge there too. Uh, you know, they have, tight, they have a lot of people. They have uh, Rome Odonzu and Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, J- Journey Bernard. They have four big threats, and Michigan is not as deep at that position. So, on the offense, I think the defense is pretty much a wash. And and I can go through that too a little later. But I think the offense, starting with quarterback, is really going to be a key for Washington. And uh, uh, as another funny side note, if if you like this game. It's being replayed in, as a conference game in Seattle in exactly nine months on October 5th. So, which is, which, and I'll tell you, if you want my opinion on the disillusion of the Pac 12, to me, the funniest part of all is Stanford and California in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But don't get me started. <laughs> it is going to be a brand new day as the next season rolls through. And who knows, right? The Big Ten is going to walk away with a national champion starting next season, and they're going to have that crown for them. So I think that's really interesting. I think you bring up the fascinating point about the matchups in this national championship. I think both teams are going to get an unexpected surprise. I think Washington is going to surprise the defense of the Michigan Wolverines. But I think that Michigan Wolverines defense is going to surprise that Washington offense. You got two of the elites going at it when it comes to efficiency and how they handle the ball and how they handle the moments. And we're talking about red zone efficiency against red zone defense. We're talking about getting to the quarterback, protecting the quarterback. And, you know, this interesting story about Penix and, you know, the the injuries and the comeback and heading into the NFL draft and can, can kind of cement himself into that elite status with the national championship. You have McCarthy who has that famous picture of him with last season watching the confetti go down and seeing him lose the big game. And there's so many stories that are going to start colliding with each other. We haven't even gotten to Jim Harbaugh. If he wins, does he guarantee he's heading to the Vegas Raiders or to New England? If he loses, does he guarantee he's going to the Vegas Raiders or to the New England Patriots? There are so many different aspects we're going to get to here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado, and we are getting ready for the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies National Championship game in Houston on January 8th. A wonderful way to start that week. But, Marver, I also want to talk about kind of the the impact this playoff made. We're talking about the expansion going on next year, and I think there's a lot of teams that have arguments. Like we said, Georgia. What's fascinating is we saw some great games between Washington and Oregon, right? If tomorrow there was, if let's say Tuesday, following the national championship, there was a line that was put on by the betting market of a matchup between Oregon and Washington after Washington just won the national championship. Oregon on the neutral field would still be the favorite. They would be the favorite in that game. So there are teams out there right now that, depending on who wins this matchup, can legitimately say, yeah, 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 but on neutral field, could you beat us? Would you beat us? And I kind of want to get your thoughts on that, where it's back to kind of like the old AP coaches polls day, where it's like somebody had an argument here and somebody had an argument here, and we're going to go into a season saying, well, we'll find out when there's 12 of you now. (laughs) Well, Obviously, uh, there was the debate between Oregon and Washington this year, and Washington was able to win the conference championship. It wasn't exactly uh, dramatic. It was thirty-four to thirty-one on December first. The regular season game was thirty-six to thirty-three for Washington. You know, I mean, so for Washington. So, I mean, uh, Oregon was you know six points short of of being in the in the in the BCS Final Four. So. Um, they're not they're not far off and that but you know and this will help solve the argument they 
of being did they deserve to be in there? Obviously not because they lost to Washington twice, but they did deserve to be in a larger playoff, and they would be under the scenario. And it was uh, to me, it was so funny about Florida State. And 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 by the way, it also is disturbing that a lot of these teams that have players going to the transfer portal or to the NFL don't play in these games, and, and they're trying to protect their 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 money or whatever you want to call it. But it sure diminishes. The, the the quality of the game when the regular people aren't there. And that was even more true about the, the lower bowl games. You know, the, the so that, I thought that was a big factor. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I get the fact that they want to move, but they shouldn't be not playing the bowl game. That, that's bothersome. I think it's interesting. I, I disagree on that or should or, or could be. Yeah. I think solving that issue is yeah. adding the 12 teams. And making it important, right? Like, you get rid of, like, there's still going to be prestige in some of these games, right? Like, the Cotton Bowl is always going to be the Cotton Bowl, right? Like, for the most part, there's only a handful of guys, and it's usually a quarterback or a star receiver like a Marvin Harrison where you're like, yeah, it's one of one. But I'm with you. Like, it takes away from the game. And I think we have to address that head on. We have to serve all masters. These players have earned the right to say, hey, I've given you these two years. Thank you for the education. We've made millions. Let's go. Let me go make my millions. You go to this bowl game. You your backups are four star recruits too. Like you go win this game. Georgia didn't have any starters playing, and they put it on Florida State. So it's like there is that right. But then we talk about the lower games. We know we know players that are playing in MAC conferences. They don't have that option. They're gonna go play that bowl game because they want to get invited to that senior bowl game. They want to get invited to the coaches game. So I think your, I think what what you're bringing to the table is very valid in. Let's answer this question right now. Let's make it worthwhile for every party involved, especially if we're getting rid of the ridiculousness of the fallacy that this is student athletes. Like, no, this is semi-pro. Well, then let's do it right. Let's do it right and make sure we're getting it all correct and all parties are being served. And I think next year is really going to be that where we finally get all these questions answered. Everybody will get their, their beaks wet and the lower bowl games will have a little bit more meaning because there'll be more sets on what kind of tier you'll be able to play in that. But I also want to get into this, just the committee part of it, because we're talking about a little bit of grievances. Putting Florida State in this position from Jump Street, we talked about it when it happened. They knew what they were doing. They had the, the power in their hand to say, all right, when that, that initial rankings came out and they put them at number four, they knew what was going to happen the very following week of Alabama won. They could have put Florida State at number five and never have had this situation. And they put Florida State in that position. They were the ones that put the black guy on the committee. It had nothing to do with Florida State answered every single question that they were given. They won the games they were supposed to. It's not their fault. This isn't wrestling. This isn't television where we get to decide who is going to go because of storyline reasons. They, their merits got them to that point. I understand they would have got rolled more than anything. We saw it happen against a bunch of backups in Georgia. But still, like... That, to me, is more upsetting. It's just they put those students, those athletes, those coaching staff, that university in that position. And I think the committee also looks at what conference they're from in this situation. And obviously, Florida State swept the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference, which will probably just be called the ACC from now on. But in any event, <laughs> so, so, so that is actually weighed against them, in my view. Now, there was another team that was undefeated that was in a bowl game and got crushed, namely Liberty who's now in the Conference USA, and they swept through Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. <laughs> so, so you know, that's that's another issue. I mean, obviously, you have a, you know, a team even like Toledo from the MAC that, 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 that basically lost only one game and their quarterback didn't play in the bowl game. So you have teams like that that might have a claim to be in this expanded, like in the 11th or 12th spot. And, and uh, obviously, they're, they're not really – even you know, even the now the champion of the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, I don't think they're going to get any more weight now with Stanford and Cal. But maybe Stanford and Duke can have a debate match or something. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that that's weighed against them. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC now make makes that conference. You know they'll probably get at least two or three bids now, and yeah. and the Big Ten as well uh, with the expanded format. So, you know, I don't even understand how they're going to schedule these things. This conference, it's like the conference standings are meaningless. I mean, there's 18 teams and, and you play eight or nine of them. And you play half of them. And so how, how, could, how, how do you have standings? 
You know, that, that's another issue with all this. And how does Rutgers play Washington and softball and soccer and even basketball? It's insane. And here's the thing, though, and I want everybody who's listening to us on YouTube over at the Sports Cubicle, or if you found us on Sports from the Couch, wherever you get your favorite podcast, of course, check us out on WCPT, Spotify, and SoundCloud. He's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado here on the Sports Cubicle. We are breaking down how we got to the national championship as Michigan and Washington face off in Houston on January 8th, Monday, January 8th. It's going to be an interesting game. But for all those who are new to the Sports Cubicle, Marver isn't just talking about strong arm conversations. He goes to college women's game. He goes to the softball games, the baseball games. Like, he is legitimately, and we're not talking about he only goes to Northwestern. We're talking he's going to go to see Ball State, and he's going to go see Miami of Ohio. Shout out to the Hawks. He he does all this, right? Like, so it's serious when he's, when he's saying a legitimate concern of, what about the swim team? It's not like when you hear on these other mainstream, like, where they're all they're only doing talking head stuff is like, oh, let's talk about this, which we never talked about before, but we'll make an argument about it. Marver is bringing up a real point, but this just goes to show more than anything that college football, huge gap, men and women's college basketball are the money makers, and that's all that matters to them. So if they have to play Stanford versus Northwestern, so be it. You know, like that is just the sacrifice they're going to make because come December. When the tournament starts, everybody's brains are going to shut off. And when we get to the holidays and we're in the final, what, the Elite Eight, everybody's going to be going crazy, right? When we get to the to the final four, everybody's going to be going crazy. And I think they've learned that. The, the, the networks have learned that. And all the university presidents have learned that. That as long as we can get to the tournament, Americans will eat it up. Yeah. The quarterfinals are interesting, too, as a footnote. The Rose Bowl is guaranteed having a game four hours after the parade ends on <laughs> January 1st. So they, with that in mind, they can't do the semifinals because that's going to now be on the 8th. So, so they're locked in to always doing the quarterfinals. So, I mean, unless they're going to change the rules and, and maybe have the parade on the 8th. <laughs> it's going to be a new day, Marver, from parades to the way we watch Big Ten and SEC football. It's going to be an interesting time. But we will have a brand new national champion either the Washington Huskies or the Michigan Wolverines. It's going to be a great game. I do believe that. I do believe we are going to be in a treat on January 8th. Marver, 30 seconds, because yeah. we're going to talk all about it next week. There are some stud quarterbacks, a lot of questions. One of the guys in this game is going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. In 30 seconds, out of all the quarterbacks you've watched this college football season, what is the one? that if the Chicago Bears pick a quarterback at number one, you want to see wearing the orange and navy blue. I think overall it's still Caleb Williams from USC, but here's something funny. You know, he sat out of his bowl game, and a gentleman in the name of Miller Moss threw six touchdown passes. So, so maybe it was the receivers, and not so much Caleb that were excellent. Uh, it's hard to say, but I still think that overall Caleb has an edge right now, uh, you know, even over Penix, for example. And, uh, you know, so I would take him uh, at first or I, I think that it's and that's the whole nother issue is the whether they should actually take a quarterback. But I would take him if I took somebody. <laughs> and that is, my friends, what we call in the industry a tease for next week's sports cubicle, because after we get through the college football national championship, after we get through Saturday and Sunday football, after we've gotten through Black Monday, we will have all the answers going into both football sports but until then enjoy the national championship between the michigan wolverines and the washington husky officially the picks are in marver who wins the national championship well i think i, I started at the beginning leaning towards washington i'll stick there because of their offense uh the versatility of the quarterback i do like the defenses will be tough but i think Penix has the escapability you know that that the ability to run that, that will be a, a factor uh in this game I will be going with the Michigan Wolverines sending off Jim Harbaugh to the NFL with his first football championship. To the, we want to to the Bears? Uh, <laughs> I, 
again, a whole other discussion post Black Monday on what all that's going to mean. It's going to be an end. Football never ends. It doesn't matter whether it's playoffs, regular season, offseason. It doesn't matter. It's always the king of sports. Until then, we want to know your thoughts. Who wins the national championship? Who goes to the NFL? Who? What is all this madness going to be in the world of football? We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Leave a comment. Share us. Subscribe to us over on YouTube at The Sports Cubicle. We're all over the universe wherever you get your favorite podcasts at Sports from the Couch. And of course, support us over at WCPT 820s soundcloud and spotify he's the marvelous one dan marver i'm mike mercado we got more coming up next here on the sports cubicle bob after joins us again friend of the show there's so much to talk about bob uh the nihl how's everything been going since the last time we talked to you it was about uh six months ago that we had you on and it was a Exciting time with the Blackhawks, the entire hockey scene. And here we are post-holidays, a lot of great stuff going on and off the rink. How you been? What's going on with the entire organization? Hey, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, a lot's going on. This is actually one of our busier weeks. Uh, we are in the planning stages for all the championship games at the UC, six of them, on February 18th. So we got a couple meetings this week that we've had to plan and get the music and the choreography and the locker room and the logistics all down. Uh, so we'll probably have several more of those meetings. Uh, Monday night is the girls' all-star game uh, at Canlin and Romeoville, West Dundee. I mean, West Dundee, not Romeoville. And uh, Wednesday night is the boys' all-star game at Glacier Ice Arena. So we have a lot going on in the next week. And then we get ready for our championship game and our Wounded Warrior uh, event that's um, being planned out and really upscaled this year. So hopefully – that becomes a, a great event on February 25th. And we know it's going to be, the vibes are always great. You guys bring the spirit and it's always just good energy. And that's kind of the, the whole idea of all this is kind of bringing the spirit of hockey along with the fandom and the parents and everybody who enjoys and loves this sport to kind of introduce it, expose it, and also show its appreciation to all the different organizations that support this great sport and Bob, we talk about we're gonna i want to talk about what's going on with the wounded warrior and the premier championship but really fast the all-stars the the stars themselves that then make that mm. are going to grow this sport and be the next Connor Bedards and all these great athletes and uh citizens from going through college and all this playing this great sport he tells a little bit about the girls and boys the all-stars what we've seen from this crop of kids that you know on and off the the rink how how they interact with each other and interact with the sport itself and representing the, the organization and hockey here in, in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, the, this year is the first year we had a well, girls event. Uh, we did the boys event years ago and then throughout the years, it, it just uh, got canceled and not started because it was hardwood logistics, but we restarted it three years ago. And then this year we decided to bring on the girls event because everybody was loving the new event and we'll call it new because we restarted it. And the last three years have been such a big success that this year with the growth of the girls side to almost 50 teams, we decided to bring on the girls at the top levels also. And the response has been phenomenal. So we have three games starting at five o'clock uh, Monday night uh, with the best of the best. We, we do something a little different than like the normal pro games. Each team gets the same number of, of, of skaters. So the girls, the top teams in the league will get six skaters onto the four skaters and onto two skaters, depending on where you finish in the, in the standings. And we take and we divide those in half and put half on one side and half on the other. So they're actually playing against themselves. And the kids and the coaches really seem to like that. It's a, They get to meet more kids that way and they get to play against their friends. So it's kind of a nice touch. We do that on both the boys and the girls. And they're, they've just taken to this. So is that something that you've noticed from this crop of athletes over the last like three years especially with the boys and now introducing the girls that they are so willing to just learn and and go head first into whatever this sport and and the teams ask of them yeah they, they love it they'll do whatever any any extra accolade they can get they appreciate the amount of nice comments we get afterwards is, is wonderful and it makes it all worthwhile we tried something different last year with the boys that we're going to continue on is um in case a game goes to overtime because it's an all-star game and, then, you know, the, the outcome is really not that important of winning side. And we'd like to get everybody the same amount of ice time as possible. The overtime becomes six on six with no goalie. So, and it's not sudden death. So, because obviously with no goalie, you don't want to end in two seconds. So last year we, we did it in our 12U game. We actually went to triple overtime before we finally got a winner. It was kind of a cool event and everybody loved it. So 
we're going to bring that back this year. So that should be fun. Speaking of fun, I for all those who are going to be listening to this on YouTube over at the Sports Cubicle or anywhere else where you get your favorite podcast at Sports from the Couch and, of course, WCPT 820s, Spotify, and SoundCloud, we have an amazing event going on at uh, Wolves Night that is coming up really fast. Really, When you're doing this event, first of all, what the event is about, but these type of events, just being part of the community and having such a fun time on all the levels of hockey, talk a little bit about that before we get to the UC. Okay, the, the Wolves, uh, it's their 30th anniversary, so they asked if we would participate in an event where they honor all Wolves players that played through Nihil, which there's probably about 25 to 30 of them. Uh, it's an event where they're, we, they're showcasing, I, I want to say, 7 to 10 of them, where they're going to put them on the scoreboard with their Nihil picture and their uh, picture last time with the Wolves, or the three that are currently with the Wolves. They're going to be on the scoreboard, and they offered a discounted ticket price to any kid playing in Nihil based on Nihil uh, Wolves. So that's kind of a cool event. And that's kind of funny because one of the uh, skaters is actually a kid that I coached with my older boys many, many years ago, like 2008 or 2009. So we had a good time in the Nihil championship. And I still have the team picture when we won it with him in it. So that's where we got that picture from. That's amazing. And I think that's what we always talk about, like the community, the communion that has been this hockey family that is especially the Midwest, Northern Illinois, this entire organization. I think it's been really cool to see. And we're also going to get into this stuff in February because it's kind of monumental in its own way, right? Like being able to do something with Wounded Warriors and then having something so prestigious as the premier championship games at the United Center, it's kind of like this big moment you know it's playing a big game if you're a basketball player at the united center it's if you're playing a baseball game at wrigley field or at you uh, uh, a guaranteed rate you know it's it's one of those big things how can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in february i know this is something you guys are very proud about yeah this is something that's great so our, our championship weekends in february run from the 16th to the 18th is our, our first one, which is girls and some of our top boys levels. And the 23rd to the 25th, which is our uh, lower gold, silver, and bronze levels. And this year, the 18th, our very top levels for the three premier select, which is our top boys level at 10, 12, 14, our two college junior preps, 16 and 18, and our top girls, 16, 19 level, is at the UC, part of a big event. The Blackhawks have been phenomenal. We've had planning meetings. The experience is going to be just like they're in the NHL. I mean, it's going to be using those locker rooms, coming through those tunnels, three stars of the game. It's going to be a phenomenal event. And the, the planning phase and the amount of time and energy that not only us, but the Blackhawks and their whole staff have put into it is phenomenal. So I am so looking forward to see what's actually going to happen. And it's going to be a fantastic day starting at about eight in the morning and going to about nine at night. So, Please, uh, anybody that's in the neighborhood, stop on by and catch a game in, in between there while it's going on. Bob, I know we could do this all day. I know the last time we had you on, it was nearly half an hour. We were just jibber-jabbing about the game and stuff going on and off the ice and the impact of the Blackhawks to the Wolves to the Ice Hogs all the way to any of these other club teams that impact hockey, especially here in Illinois. And I just, from here from the sports cubicle for Devin Tingle and Paul Shavari and, and Dan Barber, we're so proud of what you guys are doing and the athletes and the families that come through this program organization before we let you go, you know, you're always so great with your time. How can people support what you guys are doing? How can they get tickets? Who can they, can, can they go to the website? What are some of the ways people can make sure that they don't miss these awesome events? People are always looking for fun things to do. We found a way to find you some good stuff. Absolutely. They can go on the website. Uh, we have a tab at the top of our calendar, which has these events. The All-Star all Games are free, so all parents and, and friends and anybody that just wants to catch good hockey, go to it. I believe the championship games are a five-dollar cover, but the Wounded Warrior game, which is on the 25th, is the whole proceeds go to veterans and the Wounded Warrior Club themselves. And we have actually had some meetings with um, the Wounded Warrior Associations of Will County and all veterans. And I think they're planning a pack the house and they're trying to really uh, jam the stadium so that they can get a lot of proceeds. And we're going to set up a, a fundraising link. And hopefully this year we raise a, a lot of money for them. And in, in, in addition to having a good quality game with our people. So it's, it's going to be a fun event. Follow us all over social media. We're going to make sure that we post 
those screenshots up there, especially as the weeks keep going on and some of these events keep coming through. We know it's an exciting time and people are going to be looking for fun things to do as winter hits and you want to stay indoors. We're going to make sure you watch some fun hockey at the very least. He's friend of the show. He's the president of the NIHL. He's Bob after Bob. You're too good for this place. You make this place a classy yeah. joint in the sports cubicle. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's been a fast. I can't wait to do it again. We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado, and it is a new year, and a lot of people are looking for fun things to do indoors as the winter months have hit the Windy City, and some fun stuff is coming down the aisle here in Chicago. You could say there's a stampede heading to Chicago. Paulie, what do we have for the fans today? We have the 2019 Professional Bull Riding Rookie of the Year, Dalton Castle, joining us today. Dalton, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm super excited to get, get to be on with y'all. So, to my understanding, um, right now, as we're recording this, you're in New York City for, uh, is this the first event of the 2024 season then, the, the professional bull riders are having? Well, it, we had a couple events before uh, in 2023 uh, that are part of the season, but this would be our first event for 2024. Oh, okay, okay. And so next week, you guys are coming out to Chicago at the Allstate Arena for the Unleash the Beast Tour. We're really looking forward to this. Wanted to highlight that and uh, all the riders that are coming out here. Um, what are, What's kind of your thoughts about the tour? I mean, I'm sure you've been through Chicago before, through New York before. What's kind of your favorite part about uh, the tour going out on the road? You know, I, uh, I am from a small town, and I population of probably 900 people and so i've really enjoyed getting to go to all these other cities and uh just you know be there for a few days that's all i can handle is just a few days but i love just seeing you know what all the the world has to offer and just how people differ you know each and every place and so i really love it it makes it a lot of fun. So when you get to these new cities and you see these different experiences, how hard is it for you to stay on a regiment diet and to stay as professional as you can? Because I think a lot of people tend to forget or they don't even really realize when they see the the athletes that you guys are that you are top-of-the-world athletes at your sport. And how hard is it for you to come to Chicago and not have a bunch of pizza or go to New York and have a bunch of hot dogs? Well, you know, it's uh, all these big cities. It's pretty easy to find whatever you want. Um, there's just such a wide variety of stuff, and uh, usually whenever it's uh, game day and stuff, I uh, I'm pretty laid back and I uh, kind of just fool myself. I might have donuts for breakfast today. <laughs> I might not eat lunch to make up for that, and so it's not too bad being able to find something that's healthy and stuff and. Uh, if it's not healthy, then I just don't eat. So it's funny you bring we bring this up, right? The heading to the cities and the tour that you guys are on, being a rookie of the year, just kind of the very, very much the structured sport that is the the professional bull riding tour. And I think what's really cool about it is somebody like you who's gone out through the rankings, you have an amazing story. But bef- kind of my question is, before a question, are you a big sports fan? Are you a sports fan of all beyond just the PBR? Yes, yeah, no, I love all sports. Uh, I played a bunch of sports growing up, and so I have absolutely loved, you know, seeing how other professional sports and uh, professional boy riding goes hand in hand, and uh, it's really neat. Okay, so I'm glad. I figured as much for a Texas boy to to be all in on football and baseball and basketball and whatnot. So here in Chicago, you know how it is, whether the years of watching Michael Jordan going down the lane or if you're seeing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taines shoot on goal or if you're watching a home run for the White Sox or Cubs and the Bears are scoring a touchdown, the moments, that moment before the greatness happens, for you to explain to fans of Chicago, a, a sports city, a championship city, the moment when you jump on top of that bull and your hand is on the gate and your other 
other hand is getting nice and tight with the rope. And just that moment before the horn goes off and that gate burst open and you know the next longest eight seconds of your life until the next longest eight seconds of your life are about to happen. What is that adrenaline like? What is that moment like, especially when you are at the meccas of Chicago, New York, Dallas, Los Angeles? You know, it's hard to put into words uh, because the energy that each city brings is so different, but it's still such a positive energy. And it is very, uh, we have gotten to where we have done it so many times and we have everything, you know, set up the best we can that we just kind of go and we know what to do. And so we don't let, you know, sometimes uh, the big lights and stuff get to us. We try not to, for sure. But you still feel such an energy from the crowd and the music. And it's, uh, it's something that you can hardly put into words because whenever you make the eight seconds, it's, uh, it's a fire relief. And everybody's so loud that it's just, unbelievable how much it uh just accomplishing it feels which i can make i bet that's like when you win a super bowl or uh when you know the whatever it might be in major sports uh it i can't imagine what it feels like so i feel like we have the same thing just in a different way so i guess when you guys are doing this right like Everybody knows the physical toll it takes on you riding the ball. Heck, the physical toll on the the ball. We'll get into that and the team aspect and all the practice and whatnot. But you hear in all these other athletes from the Olympics to the NBA and NFL visualizing how important the mental aspect of this is. For you, how big of a part as you've grown in this sport, as you've had so much success, but still learning and growing within it, how much have you, how much is it really impressed on you that the mental part of this game is super important? Oh, I think uh, being physically fit and stuff is 10% and the rest is 90% mental. Um, You can, you know, not be riding good and it just, it is hard. If you're not mentally strong enough and even if you are mentally strong, it is hard to get out of the slump. And the mental game on bull riding impacts it so much because when you see the top 40 bull riders each and every weekend and you know that they are top 40 in the world for a reason and it wasn't because they, you know, are always just in droughts or ride time to time. They are the best. And so it really separates the boys and men per se whenever you do get in a drought how quick you come out of it when i was researching for this i have to openly admit i didn't know anything about professional bull riding and all i knew was probably staying on the bull for eight seconds but it was neat to find out through this that there's so many different tours and then relatively new as of a couple of years ago there's the team events and I was kind of looking at your career, drafted by Kansas City, traded to Austin. Um, was that kind of a, a big uh, step for you to be traded to a team that was a little bit closer to where you're from? Uh, you know, it wasn't so much that it was a uh, trade that coming from, uh, like, getting to be somewhere closer. Um, I think the main thing was just the powerhouse that Austin was able to form whenever I did get traded to them. Uh you know, we we kind of turned into the Yankees in <laughs> baseball. Uh, it is really neat because uh, ever since I got traded, you know, it's all new. And I got traded, and people are making trade, trying to make trade deals all the time now, trying <laughs> to establish what the Austin Gamblers were able to establish. And it's really neat seeing how me being traded – change the whole team sport of bull riding. Do you have an agent for this? I guess I've never really researched it that much. Is there is there like someone that kind of organizes your contract or is the one that's calling you and saying, oh, uh, Kansas City's looking at you or uh, and, uh, Texas is looking at you? Yes, yeah, no, I have an agent. He's a guy from Canada, actually, and 
he uh, he uh, is a he's actually a lot of NHL hockey player agents too. Oh, okay, and so he he kind of gets the gist and he knows what's going on. So I I couldn't be able to do all the that kind of stuff by myself. That's for sure. Dalton Castle joins us today here on the Sports Cubicle. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. We're going to be talking about the excitement that is going to be happening at the All-State Arena next week. It is going to be a lot of fun. We'll make sure to plug everything all over our socials on the YouTube and make sure that everybody's supporting our friend Dalton. But, Paulie, there is something that I think a lot of people, especially up here up north, right, and northeast kind of have a lot of misnomers or, you know, we we have certain concerns, even though for me growing up, even though – at, from a Latin family and people from family from Texas, we grew up watching PBR on the Versus Network or on CBS. So I've always had an appreciation for it. But I think anybody who's an animal lover always kind of had in the back of their head because they watch the SeaWorld documentaries or they watch what happened around them, the circuses or whatnot. And Polly and I have, have kind of just wondered the the treatment of the bulls and the animals the difference between the old generation and kind of the generation now where they're more treated like like athletes. Polly, did you did you kind of have a thought also of, of, of how this went for, for Dalton? Well, yeah. So so when I was kind of first researching this, I see all of these ethical treatment sites saying right. that they use uh, shockers or, you know, cattle prodders, that sort of thing. But I doing more research, I found out that these are bulls that are specifically bred for bucking. So they don't need to use any of that. Uh, uh, Dalton, we understand that that you do raise cattle yourself or at least um, uh, bulls that are that, that can be ridden. Um, kind of tell us about, you know, sort of that, the treatment of these bulls. Um, is that a misconception that you guys use shockers or any sort of, um, you know, devices that, that could threaten these bulls? Oh, most definitely. Um, I wish I got treated as well as these bulls do. Um, <laughs> uh, kind of a deal we have going on in our house is the animals eat before we do. And they are on a strict diet. You know, they can't skip out and have donuts one morning and <laughs> then not eat. They uh, they are on a strict diet. They are honestly some of our best friends. You know, we uh, they are they are bred to it. They're just like a racehorse. A racehorse is bred to run, and that's what they know how to do. These bulls are bred to buck, and so they know how to buck. And there's not anything that you have to do to make them buck because they're, you know, they're 15, 2,000 pound animals. They can do whatever they want. So we can't make them do anything that they don't want to do. And, you know, really, uh, another misconception is uh, a bunch of people think these bulls are mean and stuff. Most of these bulls that we're riding, you can pet all over them. You can scratch them. My daughter's even sat on the back of some of these bulls because they just turn into family, and it's just uh, something they're bred to do. You know, Dalton, I think the way my my brain kind of just processes it is like like you said, they're they're part of the family. They're they're on strict diets because they're also athletes. They're part of the sport. They're not equipment. They're part of the draw. They're part of what makes you a you and, and, and the Bulls having this symbiotic relationship where you make each other stars and you're able to do these things. Is that something that you try to teach the next generation of fan and bull riders that this is not just it's as much a part of you as you are a part of them. Yes, and, you know, it's something that I'm so passionate about, bulls and stuff. I don't want anybody to ever think that they're mistreated because, you know, that's the furthest from the truth. We love these animals like nobody's business, and they are a part of our family. So it's there would be no harm. We wouldn't try to cause any harm towards any of our family members. And it's the same with the bulls. We would do nothing to hurt them because they are family. In the five years that you've been on this tour, you've already made some some history for yourself. I was watching the video of you riding, uh, if I pronounce this right, Whoopa for the second or third highest score in the tour's history. Take us through that. I mean, I know these are quick rides, but do you recall anything from that? Oh, yeah. No, that's a ride that I'll never forget. Um, that bull is an amazing bull, an amazing athlete. 
he's one of those bulls that, you know, he has the top three high scores in PBR history on, and you can scratch and pet on him. He just is read to buck and absolutely loved it. And so I, uh, it's some of my friends that own that bull also. So I, uh, I just had a good connection with them and that bull and, I was super excited whenever I got the chance to get on him, and it definitely will not be something that I'll ever forget. How superstitious are bull riders compared to, let's say, other athletes? I I have to believe you're as superstitious as some of even us weekend warriors, let alone actual athletes like yourself, where certain socks you have to wear or a certain bull's name, or if you're in a certain arena. How superstitious are you? How superstitious is the team when it comes to bull riding? Uh, you know, a bunch of these guys, a uh, bunch of them are superstitious. You know, uh, don't the biggest rule is don't put your hat on the bed and stuff. But I, I'll put my hat on the bed and I'll do a bunch of different things <laughs> just to show that I don't know if that's true or not. But you know, I, I don't believe in all that, and I, I don't think it affects how you do or how you don't do it where you are in the confidence that day and how well you perform. So. Right. All the practice in the bull is going to be a lot of determinant of how much luck you're going to have that day. And I think that's what's kind of interesting about the athlete that you got, the cloth that you guys come from as athletes is that eight, that eight seconds of glory, right, for the rest of history. How much practice? I, because I think about if you're watching UFC, Bellator, if you're watching a big boxing match, if you're watching the Super Bowl, the World Series, whatever, there's been a lot of practice. There's been a lot of games. And I know you guys go on tour, but off season. How much practice is going on for that one moment, for that one tour, for that championship? How much is going on behind the scenes when it comes to actually working on the craft? You know, it's something that you have to practice every day. Um, it's a, uh, it's not a sport where you can't, and it's not necessarily that you're going to be practicing getting on the ball, but you got to be thinking about it and imagining and envisioning qualified rides. And, how you're supposed to handle each and every jump. And I think that's the biggest thing is just if you can visualize yourself having success, you will find a way to go have success. And I think that's how that goes in any sport. And uh, it's really, I think, boy, I'm not too different than any other professional sport. It's just some play on grass, some play on hardwood floors and play on ice and we play on dirt. How important is it for you? How much of a responsibility do you take as one of the faces, one of the real trailblazers when it comes to your generation? Heck, the stuff you're doing off the dirt that to teach the next generation of fan to be there, to be open, to teach them how fun this sport can be, how how much entertainment you can get out of it and how great these athletes are. How much do you put that on yourself? You know, I am so passionate about this sport and I love each and everything about this sport that um, I just, I like when people are able to see, you know, that this is a real professional sport. And also just, uh, I love being able to teach people about it because I love it so much. And so it makes it really easy for me to be able to go and talk about it or, you know, show people because it's something that I'm passionate about, something I love and, it's gotten to be pretty much all I know here. When you're preparing to ride a bull, like you you know you're scheduled against one, are you kind of scouting the bull to see what it, its tendencies are? Uh, yes and no. It can either help you or hurt you because they are animals, so they could change it up. But sometimes it's good to know what that bull's going to be doing. Um, but like I said, they're able to change it up so quickly that sometimes that bites you in the butt. We are talking to Dalton Castle from the Professional Bull Riders Tour. They are going to be coming to the Windy City next weekend, January 13th and 14th at the Allstate Arena. Before we let you go, Dalton, what are you looking forward to the most for this uh, this calendar year of 2024? I'm excited for the next one. I uh, try not to get too far ahead. I uh, don't end up booking my flight until the day or two before that I have to leave because 
I'm I'm just excited to be a part of it and go to the next one and just uh, see what the Lord has in store for me. And I'm, I just try not to get too worked up about it. Dalton, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for teaching us a lot. Thank you for making it so accessible to so many fans here in Chicago. You you know as a sports fan, Chicago is a sports city, and it is a city that loves watching athletes do great things. So uh, congratulations on all the success and all the future success and being a great ambassador at such a young age for a, a really great sport that has brought a lot of families all over the country, heck, all over the world together. Yes, thank, thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed this. We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Well, before we wrap up a couple of blurbs this week in the news, Oscar Pistorius, you remember him. He was the double amputee Paralympic and Olympic sprinter. He murdered his girlfriend and served nine years in prison. He was released from prison on parole on Friday in South Africa. Uh, he uh, had served half of his 13-year sentence for murdering his girlfriend, Uh, So now we see what happens in the next chapter of his life. And meanwhile, in other legal battles in the sports world, Wander Franco, you remember uh, in the middle of the baseball season, it was found that he was allegedly having an inappropriate relationship with a 14-year-old girl in the Dominican Republic. He went missing last week when he had a court hearing, but he showed up for his hearing this week. He was released on bond for essentially the equivalent of about $34,000 U.S. dollars Uh, He's allowed to leave the country, but of course his case is not over as he's still being uh, accused or investigated of sexual abuse and uh, possible money laundering. So we'll keep an eye on those stories as they progress along, Uh, but that will do it for this week's edition of the Sports Cubicle. Once again, I want to remind you that this week we're going to be releasing on YouTube the playoff predictions for the NFL from Mercado, Devin, and myself. You can look for those, youtube.com slash at the sports cubicle. That's youtube.com slash at the sports cubicle. But you can also find our thoughts on Twitter at sports cubicle TV, all of our other videos on YouTube, uh, as well as SoundCloud, where we archive all of our shows, as well as all of the other shows here on WCPT. You can head to soundcloud.com slash WCPT 820 slash tracks and find every single show, every single interview, and of course on YouTube, every single segment. And like I said at the top of the show, just because you're listening to this show right now on Sunday night doesn't mean that this is everything that we put out content-wise. We do have full interviews. We have extra segments. We do shorts during the week. And like I said, we'll have that playoff preview for you guys tomorrow. So long, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sports Cubicle. We will see you next week and through the week on all of our various social media channels. Goodbye, everyone.